George. George. And Steve. And Steve. It's George and Steve. You've got to keep them punchy when you do a theme tune. That's, That's the They're the three demos that the marketing guys sent you. Are they as examples? They're the ones we just paid for. <laughs> they the jingles they, we paid for? Oh, I'm, I'm not paying for jingles. Um, we might. Maybe I'll, that, maybe I'll stuff that up the wall, didn't we? <laughs> then again, looking at what I just did, maybe we will pay for jingles. Um, hello and welcome to Stephen George Podcast. I'm Stephen Hussey. As you know, with me, George Taylor. That was an arduous intro. I'm sorry about that, everyone. No, because I'll cut the first two out I did and just leave the, the last theme tune I tried. So that's all you're going to hear. We, we, if you're just hearing this, we tried two other theme tunes. Um, hi there. I have come back from Italy, been on my holidays. That's why the podcast might come out a couple of days late. Been on your holidays? <laughs> I have been on the holidays because I had a few eggs benedicts in Italy, George. Um, classic but, Italian uh, dish. That classic Italian breakfast. Um, no, I've been on holiday in Italy. Uh, you popped away for a wedding. It seems to be your... You're like a sort of Bertie Wooster character who just <laughs> always always popping on the suit and going to some kind of function or wedding. Pootling um, off to a wedding, Elizabeth following on the train with the luggage. Yeah. Um, and uh, we're in the thick of summer. So we're, you know, we're in that mood. Uh, I'm back in LA uh, starting the Get the Guy Grand US Tour with my brother Matthew Hussey, uh, which is lots of fun. So we're starting tomorrow. And uh, I want to do a podcast with my chum and get a bit of intellectual fodder, please. That's you, George. Oh, um, yeah, let's, let's see what we can do. Um, so let's sink in. We, I want to talk today. You know, we've been doing these trips, George. We've been having fun. We met up this summer. One would say we've been creating days that we'll look back on fondly. Um, Things we'll never regret doing. Mm. Can't say that for a lot, many parts of my life, but for these lovely trips, uh, yeah. One of my, I realized one of my big motivations for doing a lot of things is trying to minimize future regret. And I want to talk about that as a decision making model on this podcast and whether that is a good way to decide to do things, big and small if that only works for some decisions um, or if it's kind of can become obsessive and too, uh, I don't know, restrictive in certain ways. Is it, is it good to just constantly be trying to assuage some future regret you might feel one day, one day ahead? Um, what do you instinctively think about reducing regret, George? Do you think that's a, do you, do you consciously think about that when you do things? I certainly don't consciously think about it, but as you've been talking, I've been thinking about how it works and at quite a basic level, most most decisions that we make, you know, if it's a kind of A or B decision, what would you rather have for lunch, this or that? You're kind of making that, you're just trying to optimise with your decisions, aren't you? Or I don't know if optimise is the right word, just get the best experience available to you of the options available, which is the kind of the front end of the process rather than the back end of regret being what comes after the fact with hindsight. So all, all decisions are kind of preempting 
the regret or lack of it to some degree, I would say. Um, maybe not all decisions. It's very hard. It's very hard. I, I don't know what the answer is to this one um, because it's such a an automatic, often an automatic process. I suppose it depends what big decision or what decisions you're talking about. Are they big life decisions or are they as trite as should I have soup or salad for lunch kind of thing? Um, but I, I would definitely get, you know, if I ordered something that was a bit rubbish food wise and someone else had something good, I'd, I'd certainly regret that decision and would have wanted to minimize regret <laughs> in that instance. Um, yeah, I don't know. Does it happen at all facets of the decision-making that you make, or is it just about, you know, should I take this job or that job? What's going to be best for me in my career in three years? Um, well, and you're optimizing uh, your time and use of your time. Well, I think I have become slightly, you know, uh, this is probably quite natural, but as I've gotten older, as I've gotten to, um, as we say nearly every episode on this podcast, uh, as I've got to 30, um, I, uh, I, I become fairly obsessed with time in a way and fairly obsessed with how I spend it and, and whether I'm spending it on things that I'm just automatically how many things am I doing basically and auditing my life in, in how many things do I do that I really will one day think, why did I bother spending so many hours on that and feel kind of disgusted with my past self for wasting time. And it's not always even in a productive way. It's just in a way where I think, am I, would I choose to spend this hour this way again? And there was a kind of a, there was a thing by Nietzsche who talked about this, talked about the idea of eternal recurrence. And I, I, there's a, it's a bit more sophisticated than this, but put simply, the idea was if you, would, if you had to live this life over and over again for eternity, how would you feel about that? And how would you feel about, uh, you know, all the things you chose? Would you choose them again? Really, you would have to relive exactly the same decisions or you have the option to make different decisions each time. No, you would you would live the way you had already chosen to live, okay. and you live it again and again. And it's an interesting model for th- thinking about you know would I choose this again, and am I happy with some of the obligations I took on, or the things I the things I should have risks I should have taken, or the things I should have done to develop myself, or, or even just the pleasure I should have had. So, one of the things I often think about is. Um, you know, this, this, there was a palliative nurse, Bronnie Wares, who wrote this very, very viral article that everyone talks about called The Five Regrets of the Dying. And uh, she worked with a lot of people who are in terminal cases and talked to them about their regrets about life, essentially. One of them was that people felt like they wished they had enjoyed themselves more. Mm. And if you remember, George, in our podcast about, uh, about when we were in our 20s, I talked about one of the things that I regretted a lot was just spending so much of it in anxiety and sort of being worried a lot about the future, about my studies, about, you know, whatever was going on in my relationships and kind of thought, well, I should have just enjoyed that period a lot more. So, yeah, I think this this regret minimization thing, it definitely is a model that I just realize more and more I'm using to try and inform any decision I make. And, and Jeff Bezos, uh, the Amazon CEO talks about this as that one of the reasons he started his company in the first place where he said that, um, you know, he had a crossroads in his life where he was sort of moderately successful. I I think he was in a finance job or something. And uh, he'd said, he said he would, he just, his model for deciding to start Amazon was saying that 
I knew this, this thing called the internet. I wanted to be involved in it. And I knew that I would never regret at least, you know, having a, having a go at that and seeing if it worked, but I would terribly regret if I'd have never even had a risk and never tried it. Yeah. Sort of stay in my comfortable job, but he was relatively comfortable. So potentially he did have, he did have something to lose by, you know, leaving his company and trying to start Amazon. But, but I uh, suppose also the sort of the foundation of intelligence or qualifications to know that he could probably get a similar job two years down the line if Amazon went belly up, right? So I suppose it's it's obviously a risk, but he's someone who would be employable for a while. Yeah, well, this is the thing, right? This is where this is what's interesting is when you think about regret minimization. There's often the thing of like, well then take a risk, you know, take a chance, go for it. You've got nothing to lose. But in a way, <laughs> in a way, failure is something to lose. The, the worst failures can be very catastrophic, right? And you could, you know, if you put yourself in massive financial risk for a crazy investment, or if you, yeah, you just stormed out your job and tried something and it went terribly, there's actually, in some ways you might think, I don't know, if you looked back and regretted that, that would be really bad, right? If you thought, God, I was such a headstrong, arrogant idiot and I left a comfortable thing to go on a folly, I, I try and look back and I'm like, maybe you would just terribly regret that. Um, but it's surely don't, don't do it in a sort of awful way where you storm out, swear at everyone and sort of chase some ludicrous dream. There obviously has to be like a sort of moderated approach to these you know, thing like he obviously didn't burn all of his bridges, tell everyone that he was going to smash them into the ground and got lucky. <laughs> you know, like if he did and it worked out, then great. If it didn't, it didn't. If if he did do that and it didn't work out, he wouldn't have the opportunity. So the actual the risk minimization there would be, you know, taking the chance for the opportunity that he knows he's probably qualified to make work if certain things, certain stars align. But the the risk minimization would also be oh by the way you know i'm trying a startup but there's a job for me here if i come back right that's surely the risk minimization would be covering covering your bet almost yeah and that but that's where what i think the hedge is there is that you want the regret minimization but you also yeah you you want to minimize the risk in the other direction you don't want the regret to be Oh, I took loads of chances and they were all just stupid gambles in the end that lost me a lot. And I, I definitely think there are probably some people who do, you know, in, in the extreme form have this like crazy adventurous mindset, maybe when they're young, right. And you make a lot of dumb decisions and you may look back and be like, you know, <laughs> to take an extreme example, you know, that, that film and book into the wild. Yeah. Right. He like took a mental risk and sort of went in the wilderness in Alaska and started, you know, in a sort of almost Henry David Thoreau way of like, I've got to, I've got to get out of this constrained capitalist world and go, you know, go really live. And it on balance, now looking back, it looks like he made a fairly reckless decision. But I suppose if you're, if you're that inclined to make such an extreme decision, He's probably—I don't know—that if he couldn't ever live in society and would rather be in that, it's sort of the—you know—he knows the risk that he's taking, and I suppose it came down to the fact that he couldn't butcher and cure meat properly, right? That he died, but um, I suppose it—you know. 
like I guess people who people who join the army know you know they know the obviously obviously don't want to you know suffer an injury or a fatality but it's obviously part of the process but you not everyone has that mental sort of security or confidence in the decision they've made so off, often people are aware of the risks they're taking and you know that guy's probably being true to himself obviously I can't empathize with that position I'd never make that decision but for him I suppose it would there would be more regret in sticking at a nine to five desk job that he hates for the, for 40 years than giving it a go and dying it's kind of for him probably probably the better outcome maybe I I don't know yeah it's uh well that's interesting when I saw that film I thought about that when I saw the film Free Solo you know he mm-hmm. in some ways it's all worked out for him so far and it's proven to have been good mm-hmm. for him to live true to himself in that way and and maybe for someone like that there's just the the the, the intensity of that desire uh for that you know that lifestyle and, and that adrenaline is so strong that maybe to not live that way is just too much of a you know like a reality of a small comfortable life for that person is just too sort of tepid and uninteresting and, and yeah. they would just be a shell of a person if they didn't do it but in a way if then he died in that free solo uh, spoiler alert <laughs> um if he died in that free solo climb you might look and say, well, all those decisions were, you'd feel massive regret. You'd feel like why, not that he can look from that perspective, but it looks like, well, why did I ever do that? I lost my life at, you know, 25 or 30, some stupid free climbing folly. It's like, it's almost like it by virtue of panning out one way, it seems like a good decision, but of course, if you knew knew it would kill you. Yeah. Yeah, that, that, of course, that is the case. I think interesting that you mentioned that other podcast we did about the, you know, the mistakes we made in our twenties. We didn't call it regrets we had about things we did in our twenties, right? Because I think that's true. It's important that you know that make everyone le- as long as you're learning from the mistakes that you make previously, then you can't really regret them. I mean. <laughs> unless you do you know, something significant like you end up in prison or, you know, but if it's just we're talking about you know, within the realms of social, social faux pas or made a bad job decision for a year and wasted a bit of time but then came out the other end and did something different, as long as you're, you know, accumulating positivity from it, you know, you, I would never want to tell someone, oh, by the way, guys, these are all the mistakes I made when I was 20. So, and I... I don't regret them, but I, the point I'm trying to make is that you don't want to stop someone from making them themselves, right? Everyone should be free to make decisions that they quote unquote regret so that in future they won't do those or that it's character building process, right? So um, there's like a double edged sort of the decisions we make are to kind of minimize the regrets that we may have in future, but the ones that we have got wrong and regret, we use those ideally positively as well right oh god i said the wrong thing there that was embarrassing but i know in future not to do it i I don't i don't think you would regret saying it a couple of years down again unless it was something atrocious but do you know what i mean like down the line you you won't be regretting it it just kind of forms who you are now yeah yeah that's right and that's that's a really good distinction actually between making a mistake and having a regret because 
you know, many of the times, yeah, sometimes you want to do something even if it has high potential to be a kind of mistake because you just, you don't want to look back and not have, you don't want to look back on a world where you didn't see out that possibility. Mm -hmm. Um, And so you, you know, even, you know, I've even had relationships before where I've, I've not um, just where I feel like this, I want to, I want to see this through because I want to try it and, and see where this goes. Like if I never gave a chance to that person or, you know, acted on my feelings, then well, maybe I'd regret having not done that. And yeah. and then you get to an age where I feel like it's flipped around for me, where it's more like it's now it's more, I don't want to regret sinking time into the wrong relationship. But when I was younger, my thing was more about, I want to accumulate experiences or yeah. to learn from them. And yeah, now there's a lot more, there's a lot more at stake in being in the wrong relationship for five years, I guess, or something. It's mm-hmm. uh, it's very different. And so, because you know, as, I, as we develop, right. And we, as we get older, that you've said that magic number of 30, which I suppose is quite a kind of crystallized state for many people. I think you're, you're fairly established in who you are. Not to say people can't change, but at 21, you are still a much more um, malleable person than you are at 30. But there's a lot to me about this, like the issue of decisions around regret kind of fit into, um, does the decision we're going to make kind of match the conception of ourselves that we have and want to project to the world and or the the way that people see us, you know, and I want to present a certain image of myself. So therefore I would regret doing those things or, you know, it's, it's almost as if the, because everyone could just sort of have a free swing at every decision they, they make in their lives and just go, you know, what will be, will be. But if your identity is, kind of set on a path career driven or family driven or something then regret is going to be measured against do you remain that person that you're presenting to the world i suppose in could you say more about that uh possibly (laughs) possibly (laughs) uh let's see um yeah i think if you kind of foster an identity or forge an identity for yourself um and regret kind of stems from whether yeah whether you can live up to that or match i don't know if you sort of identify yourself as i don't know um a person who likes to embrace different cultures you're going to have more regret about i should have taken more trips or should have you know met people from different walks of life if you sort of identify yourself as someone who's intellectually minded you're going to have more regret about I failed to take opportunities to learn more, those yeah. kinds of things. So it's sort of the regret that you have is it's very, it's personal, circumstantial and identity driven in most cases. So I, I mean, what, what could you say is something that you actually regret having done or having not done, which I, I suppose are slightly different things. I'm sure they measure up against Steve Hussey, the guy who sees it, you know, who considers himself to be like, yeah, some articulate likes reading likes learning you know there's it's, it's not going, I, I don't yeah, well, going to regret not i don't know getting a like a, a tattoo on your forehead or something like that right no that that that's that's very true and that's pretty that's interesting actually you don't because that's actually and that's the thing you say what what do you regret it's actually quite hard looking back i 
I, I never believe, you know, when the people say, when people say I've got no regrets or whatever, you almost think, well, that you must be an unreflective person then mm-hmm. because you must have made, you must have made certain errors that you really genuinely wish you hadn't made and feel were unnecessary. And I think that's kind of what regret is. It's not, it's not the errors you make. Uh, it's more seeing a certain decision and, and really wishing like, if I'd gone back, I really, I really should have made a different decision there for my life. Well, I think it's ones that are consequence based and often that can't be altered as well. Right. Like regret. Oh, I had the opportunity to see my mum on her deathbed and I didn't, and I wish I could have spoken to her, you know, something like that. You'll never going to have that opportunity again. Yeah. But again, do I regret taking that job? Well, if you're sort of forward looking, you can go, no, I can have another crack of the whip and come to a different outcome. Yeah, but I, it, it's it's when you've shut down a possibility completely and finally, like there's no opportunity to go back. Mm-hmm. And and also like you, you, but it wouldn't be say, oh, I didn't speak to my grandmother on her deathbed. If you never had the, it's, it's you need to have had the chance to have done it. And, yeah, of course. Yeah. You, know, you, you can't just be, oh, I regret the fact I didn't happen to know when, my grandmother got hit by an airplane or something, something unforeseen and crazy. Yeah. There's not really a regret there. It's a, yeah, it's a regret of something you could have done or should have acted on knowledge you had. And, and it's like, if you, you know, if you bet your mortgage in Vegas and lost, you feel deep regret. Cause you go, that's a decision where I knew the stakes yeah. and the consequences were terrible. And I made a stupid decision, but um, yeah, it's uh, so it's quite, is quite complicated in that way, but it's not just your, yeah, your mistakes. Many times you look back and you actually, in some ways it's harder to find things you truly regret because many mistakes you realize were, were quite necessary and valuable. And, and I almost do this weird thing where I, I look back at certain things and I go, that was a dumb decision, but given who I was then, I didn't know any better to make a better decision. Yeah. Whereas now I'm less forgiving with myself with say, say certain relationship decisions or things. I think I have enough knowledge now where I know better what that leads to. Whereas when I was 21, I was just, just, just didn't have as much of a clue. And so I kind of look back on those and I'm more forgiving. I'd be much more ruthless now with certain things um so it's sort of like but having gone through that process is important right because if you know the sort of um like scrooge kind of ghost of steve's past could come to you and like come to the 18 year old you and say you should do these things and then every decision you make will be the sort of optimal one that you wanted that's kind of not really what you wouldn't be the person you are if you hadn't you are right now if you hadn't done those things in the ways that you did them, right? We're kind of with the end point of our decisions and constantly continue to be the end point of the decisions that we've made previously. So yeah, I mean, I can, I can certainly conceive of people who live with great regret, but um, in just the sort of normal instances of, of our, our lives, assuming that they're not yeah, encumbered by crime or any sort of serious additions, then I think you can always be proactive about them and should be learning from them. Um, from mistakes and issues that you make otherwise you're, you're just not growing you just become a kind of automaton yeah yeah i think that's right um turning to turning to another thing it's interesting how regret is such a is such a personal thing as well it's almost like not based on objective 
you, you could look at someone's life who you think on paper had lived a very successful, very well-rounded, whatever interesting life. And you'll hear from people who, who had regrets that, that poisoned them for years. There's a, there's a story in um, Mark Manson's book, the, uh, the subtle art of not giving a F U C K. Um, and, uh, he talks about a story of, there's two contrasting stories of the guy who, who, what was the name of the guy who could have been in the Beatles, but was replaced by Ringo. Oh, Pete Best. I think it was Pete. Yeah. I think it's Pete Best in the book. And, uh, and, and he talks about how Pete Best actually has a really good attitude about the whole thing and kind of is, has a nice, quiet, comfortable life and finds it all kind of faintly amusing and like reflecting on it uh, actually was kind of like, it was a real, you know, it was really amazing. I was ever a part of it sort of Mm. thing. You know, just kind of didn't have this regret of like, I could have been part of the most legendary band of all time. And uh, then there was a guy, the guy who, one of the main guys from Metallica who was kicked out of the band and then went and started Megadeth, who sold a huge amount of records, were very beloved, you know, did really well. And he he had, year, he still, like, you know, up until the present, he still had residual bitterness that they were not as big as Metallica, that Megadeth were not as big as Metallica. Mm. And, it, and it kind of really... It was like a deep, deep regret and resentment he had. And but that, I think that probably tie, possibly ties into what I said earlier, right? Like his, he, that guy clearly identifies himself as I'm someone who should be the best or, you know, how could anyone be better than me in that band or whatever? Whereas in Pete Best's case, it's like he can't regret not being in the Beatles because they kicked him out of the Beatles because they didn't think he was good enough. So it's not something you can really regret. And his identity clearly allows that to happen. Whereas the sort of, yeah, the kind of ego-driven chip on the shoulder thing about it. It's like you can't you can't regret a decision someone else has made for you. You know, right. if you got kicked out, of the, well, I can't regret that. If he went, oh, do you want to sign this contract with this band? Uh, no, you know what? I don't think it's going to go anywhere. Then maybe there's room for regret there because it's a kind of a decision you have the autonomy to change. But if you've been kicked out of something, I don't think that's something. That's not really cause for regret. Because yeah, you you couldn't. What, what could Pete Best have done? He got kicked out. Yeah, yeah, that's a good point. I suppose you could have seething resentment, but yeah, that's uh, yeah. I, I I don't know. You might regret decisions you made, or you might regret if you messed up, or if you mm. feel that you have lost an opportunity. It's like being closer to it is worse than yeah. Having yeah, it. yeah, it's like it feels like it's something that was in in your grasp and it slips away, but. I mean, like there, but for the grace of God, go I kind of thing. Like every day we don't know, you know, I could have been hit by a car if I'd have done something slightly different when I was on my bike earlier and those things. <laughs> it's kind of mad if you sort of zoom out and see the, the potential pitfalls that we all kind of skirt around, I suppose. Yeah, there's a Cormac McCarthy quote I often think about in one of his novels where he says, um, one of his characters says, you never know what... Uh, what worse luck your bad luck has saved you from. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh, yeah. And it's in some ways that even the bad, certain bad things that happen to you, you don't know they may have actually prevented terrible catastrophes or been a part of 
yeah, I don't know, stopping you on a really awful path. Like, you know, you could have someone who a certain failure could have been a very necessary humbling to stopping them becoming an insane egomaniac. Or sure, yeah, yeah. It's like, thank God that person had that humbling then or they would have become a monster. Um, so I think I was, just before we started recording, I was telling you I've just finished reading this graphic novel about the Holocaust. It's called Mouse. It's excellent. It won a special Pulitzer Prize that they created for it because they didn't know how to categorise it, whether it was fiction, non-fiction, um, but uh, the, the artist depicts uh, his father was a Holocaust survivor from Poland and he depicts his kind of whole story about what happened to him during the Second World War. Um, but he depicts them as little kind of animals. The Jewish people are mice, the Nazis are cats, blah, blah, blah. Um, but reading it is just uh, sort of obviously like a four, five, six year period of just the most awful atrocities happening relentlessly from this individual guy's point of view and the kind of resilience he showed and the sort of um, resourcefulness he showed is incredible but really he was in you could point to maybe 10 15 instances where it's kind of he made one decision and if it had made the other decision he would have died and that happened 10 or 15 times should i go and meet this person or not are they going to betray me or not should i hide there or here and (laughs) Every every one of those decisions affords an incredible opportunity for regret, right? Should I stay hiding here or should I go out and look for food? Would you regret not going to look for food or would you regret staying in the hiding place if you get found? It's It, it just felt like this incredible sort of yes or no decision-making tree and he got to the end of it and came out the other side. But millions upon millions of people made decisions that they hoped were for the best and weren't when they were trying to, you know, come up with an opportunity for survival. And it's like, but how, how do you know, right? It's these incredible decisions. Yeah. Should I go out here or should I stay hiding? You're obviously going to regret it if it goes wrong. And there's an instance where he um, tries to get smuggled across a border and the people that are smuggling him across the border betray him. He obviously felt very regretful that that happened, but, he survived the end of the war. So, yeah, I, I, I don't quite know the point I'm making other than in extreme kind of yes or no decision-making processes. You, you don't know what's going to happen. You often don't have maybe even the cause to regret that decision because it's often something that's maybe taken out of your hands. Um, yeah. It's just that it's the kind of the, the decision tree sort of process of it really struck me. Um, he's, yeah, one of many but a few people who survived many many more didn't um but yeah at what point do they start to regret the decision they make you know it's and it's obviously a circumstance imposed upon other people it's uh yeah it was it was intense in terms of how how it kind of elevated every single decision the guy made to essentially a life or death decision roll of the dice is almost less you know lower odds than that so it was just kind of yeah, kind of intense knowing at what point you regret those decisions that, yeah, that are are so serious and significant. It was, uh, yeah, very affecting, I think. Yeah, well, that, um, actually, that distinction um, you make about, uh, sorry, that point you make about not knowing the unfolding consequences is something that uh, we mentioned, the psychologist Dan Ariely talks about the, uh, because he he talked a bit about on a recent podcast about you know regret 
as a decision-making tool. And he obviously, in certain ways, regret is very a very useless emotion in certain ways, right? Because it's it's good if it helps you decide what to do, not to do in the future. But if it's just regret of a moment you can never get back, mm. in some ways, it's a very wasted emotion. It doesn't really it doesn't help you in any way. It just makes yeah. you feel worse. Um, and uh, but he talked about how actually one of the better things to do than to obsess over every decision's ramifications is more to just instill regret minimize think about your decision habits and think about your almost rules of thumb i guess more than more than whether this single job or this single decision to whatever i don't know um get date this person or publish a book or whatever it might be it's not it's not to try and calculate out every single possible future but to think about decisions that you'll look back on and feel that 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 reflected the right kind of values I wanted at the time you know like whatever maybe being maybe you could be kind or generous to someone and it blow up in your face but in certain ways you couldn't you couldn't have always predicted that would happen yeah that again sort of I I think that does fit into the regret aligning with the conception of yourself that you have right like you say there if you're you can't if you're trying to be a kind person and you make it you do something through um a kind of willingness to be kind and it somehow blows up in your face yeah i mean you can't regret that because you're acting kind and kind of true to how you want to be so yeah of course yeah it's it's difficult right because we're talking about um things going badly if someone acted in super good faith and acted kindly offered a lift to someone it turns out they're a serial killer and they got murdered i mean there's they can't act the regret up their parents or their family or their loved ones would obviously be very upset that that had happened but if they're sort of acting true to who they are or want to be there's not really any other eventualities that can happen and it's the kind of narrowing down of the decision making tree that you have does get reduced to well if this is how you want to act and behave then you kind of can't really regret what happens if you're being true to yourself yeah yeah i suppose it's yeah i i think you yeah what do you regret you yeah you regret when you i guess you do regret often those things when you feel like you betrayed yourself i mean mm. there's often things where i feel you know, if I was careless, um, you know, if, if I was careless with money in a way that I knew better, or I was careless with, yeah. you know, careless in a relationship and it's like, I should have known better. I knew what the outcome was going to be. That was stupid. Or, you know, yeah, you say the wrong thing to someone and you regret that you said something mean. It's like, they're all instances where it's like, that's not who I that's not who I feel I am and aspire to be. And that yeah, was- presu- I mean, it's sort of by, not by definition, but sort of by the nature of it, it sort of has to be the things that you regret are likely to be things that are when you've acted out of character, right? Because if that was how you always behaved, you'd regret everything you did constantly. And obviously, obviously that's not really a viable way to be. So the things that one would regret would often be, Oh God, I can't, I can't believe I did that. That's normally like, not normally like me. Um, yeah. then there's got well, more scope for it well here's then the scenario what if you just lived your life as it was now and you you kind of you know you went about it you did your thing got married had kids 
would you what if you looked back one day and were like man I really I don't know say there was just one area of your life where you'd be like I lived the way I thought I should but looking back I played it so safe like I should have been so much you know I should have really taken more chances or I should have um you know had a lot more I should have learned a lot more things or a lot more skills like you could have lived your life in a way that made you fairly happy along the way and you were you're pretty proud in general but you might think you might think man I really I really messed up there like I should have gone on more whatever I should have gone on more trips and have more experiences Uh, do you do you think then to do that is kind of masochistic to look back in that way because i can imagine lots of people do do that when they're older and they think man i should have just had a lot more damn fun i should have just you know realized it was all a joke and partied more or whatever what what do you think of looking back in that way is that just sort of self-punishing or is that that i think if you're you're doing that true to something you wish you did at the time and you you should have capitalized on it more yeah, I think if you're looking back on on your life in that way, that's a point when you're not really in a position to make those changes anymore, then yeah, then that is kind of self-sabotaging um, because presumably you have done a lot of things that you should or would have been proud of and could um, put focus on that. I mean, everyone, no, no one's going to be able to have every experience they could possibly conceive in hindsight that they wished they had no one can have every experience forward-looking that they want to have. Um, it's just not possible. Um, it's probably a, a product of the fact that the world's gotten a lot smaller and we can see a lot more opportunities now. But really, you can't, you know, you can't do everything, can you? So I suppose you just have to kind of maximise the pleasure you get from the things that you are able to do. Um, I suppose what the, the worry is is whether you feel you know, you might choose some values in good faith today and then you may look back in 50 years and think like, oh, I I really chose wrong there. Like I should have spent more time with my kids and my family, but I got obsessed with my business. And, you know, in some ways, again, it's contingent on whether it pans out or not. You could spend, is the person who's the Jeff Bezos and spends 30 years on their business and it doesn't turn out to be great and it doesn't turn out to be you know they're they're a workaholic but they don't have all the success to go with it and they may look back and be like man i really should have just spent more time with my kids and not obsessed about trying to become a uh you know a tech tycoon or whatever yeah obviously we you only really hear about the successes don't you but the um they're kind of the people that write the narrative about why or striving and, you know, hustling or whatever is a worthwhile risk to take at maybe the expense of your family in the short term for that long-term payoff. Of course, many people try that and it doesn't work out. But also, I suppose someone willing to just put in, you know, every hour of every day, that's kind of, that is kind of who they are. I don't think they could have lived those 30 years with their feet up you know, just with the baby bouncing on their knees. You think it's, you think it's almost like being Del Boy and only fools and horses. It's like you're, you're a born wheeler dealer. That's just, you're, you're the guy who's going to strive to be a millionaire no matter what. And that's your sort of, I th- I th- you know, it's like, it's like, you know, for Dale, it's, it's the, stri- the striving, isn't it? It's it is. The, it's all about the chase. I'm, I'm very happy that you've crowbarred in the only fools and horses reference for our listeners around the world. Um, 
Only yeah. Fools and Horses is a sitcom about a, a beloved wheeler dealer in East London who is constantly trying to get rich. Uh, to, to put it mildly. Um, yeah, I think there's something just about people's nature that you couldn't then... You can run a whole eventuality out that you've tried something, it doesn't work out, and they go, oh, I wish I did it differently. I don't know. I don't know. Hindsight just makes it very difficult to make those judgments. Of course, you of course, you would wish that things had turned out better, but I suppose you can't regret. The things that you could regret specifically would be if there was an opportunity that was presented to you, you chose differently, and if you'd have made that decision, things would have panned out as you'd hoped but your decision led to them not, then I can see cause for regret. But just in general, oh, I, I wasn't the success I wish I could have been. You can't really regret that. You could be, maybe be disappointed in how you've had a go, but regret is very much like decision-specific, like right? It's a kind of, I made, I made a decision, did it, do I feel good or bad about it? Rather than these circumstances happened, do I feel good or bad about them? There's more, yeah. there's more autonomy so that, yeah, I, I gave it a bloody good go and it didn't work out. I can't regret that, but, or oh, I was offered a loan and I turned it down and then I went bankrupt. I could maybe regret that decision. Yeah. In a way you have to just more be into the, yeah, it's like you say, you, if you just decide I'm going to be a kind of person who works really hard, you have to just kind of become more comfortable with that than saying it's because I'm going to become a multimillionaire or something. Yeah, but it's to. also not often a, people don't go, I'm going to become a person who's going to work really hard. Often that's just innately who someone is, right? They've always, you know, put in a great amount of effort with their schoolwork and all those things. So it's just their, yeah. their nature. Uh, and you can't really regret your, your nature. No, but I, I sometimes, and this is actually the crux of things for me, I sometimes have, in my thinking about the decisions I want to make and the competing values, and, and, you know, I've got this value that is I want to work hard and be successful, and then I have these values. I care about friends and my family are important to me, and, and I, you know, I have, and then I just have one that's like I want to have fun and have experiences and have a bit of hedonism as well. But, and in some ways I find in my regret minimization framework, these things jostle for my struggle is to know which ones to stake more on because, you know, at some points I really overworked for certain points in my twenties. And I did think, you know, Oh, I'm, I'm going to one day regret not, I, I'm going to one day regret not spending more time with, you know, just, just having more fun and spending time with my friends. But I don't know for sure if, you know, maybe if I worked three times as hard or had worked three times as hard, I'd now be in a place where I'd be, who knows, I could be like much more happy. I do, I, and sometimes that is the thing where it's hard to decide in the future, which value will I have been happier to have staked more on? Will I have been happier to have spent more time with my family? Or would I have been happier if I'm 10 times more successful and worked twice as much? Mm-hmm. It's, it's sometimes that that's the bit where I find it difficult to know, you know, is it, is it is what life is, isn't it? You don't, you don't know. And it's all just one kind of freewheeling lack of plan, kind of muddling through process. So I think part of it is you, ne- you inherently don't know what's going to happen. And, and that's, that's kind of it really. So I don't, there isn't an objectively correct answer. So yeah, kind of have to do what you can 
do in the moment, I suppose. Like Sometimes I do this weird thing where I, like I'm going on the trip to Asia later this year and I'm taking time out of my job to actually do that as a kind of, you know, small sabbatical. And in some way, what I do with things like that is I say, well, if I died at the end of this year, how would I feel about that? And the feeling is, oh, I'll be really glad I took that trip to Asia. Unless, like, you, unless oh. you were killed, unless, unless you died as a result of that trip, right? Yeah, unless I, uh, unless I die in Vietnam or something, then, um, yeah, I will, uh, I'll, I'll look back at the end of the year and be like, well, it's a really good thing I did that Asia trip because that was a real important, that was better than just working for another month. And so sometimes I do those little games with myself to test like my intuition. But also, like some of those things that you're doing there are you're kind of accumulating for a future life. Some of them are there in the immediate here and now. So no, at the end of any year, you would never say, Oh, I'm so glad. Yeah. If you're talking about like a calendar, year, I'm so glad I put in those extra three hours on word, you know, <laughs> editing that document. But in 10 years time, you would say, oh, I'm so glad I did that. But that's to accumulate a kind of a future eventuality for yourself, right? Rather than what there's a, you've just got a kind of toss up between sort of pitching to create a better life for yourself in the future versus gratifying instant here and now needs. And yeah. life is a balance of those things. But maybe the travel one is also like, I will be happy in 30 years, but I'm the kind of person who did that who did those experiences when I was young. Do you know what I mean? It's, it's complicated. You might like your identity thing. You might like the idea in 50 years of looking back and being like, I saw the world when I was a young person. It's yeah. part of your identity. Yeah. It's very common. Yeah. Definitely. It's, I tell you what, something I regret, Steve's not preparing more for this podcast. <laughs> so, well, it wasn't even a conscious decision, but it was a, Certainly something that, that I could have had more say on and that would have impacted the outcome better. But, I, uh, think you, I, think you, I think you've added a lot of insights. Oh, thanks I, really I think people will think you've been very, uh, you've, you've brought a freshness, you've brought perspective, you've brought a worldly wisdom uh, to my childlike naivety. Um, yeah. A great, a great foil. Oh, thank you. <laughs> um, well, I don't regret this one job. Oh, that's, that's, that's a relief, I think. The listeners um, might feel differently. So now they're not getting back. <laughs> they, they are going to have to vote with their feet. <laughs> <laughs> but um, the, the regret they've got is, if I click on it, will it be good? I suppose they're hoping that it will be. And then after an hour, they're like, oh, Oh, can't they do another one about books? That would be better. I wouldn't regret listening to one of those. <laughs> I like those ones they do about dating. Um, yeah, I, I do think, well, to, to sum up, I do think uh, this regret minimization as a model for living does actually, I think it can become, we, for all the reasons we've said, is it, it can become dizzying and, and hard to know you know, the ramifications of every decision and that can be a bit obsessive. But I just ask them, I do what, think what is the alternative to that as a decision-making framework, just throwing darts at the wall? What's Well, I think, I think you could look to more a, a more immediate, um, you're not, you know, I guess the opposite is not concerning for the fu- your future self at all and thinking okay. a lot more about... But so, about so for something as basic what, as what should I have for lunch, that 
does it really even well i think you could even if you decided like what i'm going to prioritize this year or what i'm going to work on or what i'm gonna how much work i'm going to do it's like you're in the future you may just regret all the hours you wasted and you know all the hours you wasted dithering or, or whatever so i think for those things they are useful for getting you to for getting me just to have more experiences where I just think like, Oh, I'll regret one day, not, not having those experiences and trying those things. Um, I mean, for lunch, I think, you know, you're going to have to decide between soup and salad. Um, my advice is. Both. My advice. Both. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Sometimes I like to order a couple of dishes just so I can taste both, but you know, don't feel shy to split a starter. <laughs> don't you dare um, try and share my starter yeah so I, I i think regret minimization has a role and i i do uh yeah i do i do think it is worth factoring it into decisions because it, it gets me to just sort of live a bit more it gets me to actually get up and go for things because it stops me thinking i can do that next year or i can you know I'll do that at some point. It makes me just go like, oh, I'll be, I'll, be, I'll feel much better in a year. It, also become, it could also become um, a bit of a kind of a burden, right? Like, oh God, what do I, what should I do? What, you know, if you're kind of quantifying the future outcome of every decision you make based on the ideal version of how yourself looking back on your life will feel, that's a lot yeah. of pressure, right? It's not, it's interesting that you say, oh, it's freed me to live more. I suppose it might make you, say yes to more things which is a great outcome i suppose but it could, yeah, it could be quite a burden like oh god what job do i take what am i going to do rather than you know what i'm going with my gut i'm just going to do that and let's see what happens yeah no i think for things it helps me in terms of not wasting my time but um yeah i think with like say a relationship and stuff you can you know it's it's very unless, unless you're obviously making a mistake you've made before it's like you're not going to know if I don't know, you might pick someone feeling like your gut is completely in love with them and, and someone could cheat on your divorce you in 10 years. You can't, you can't go into everything going, I'm going to try and predict every possibility and stop that happening. Yeah, of course. That, that's part of life. You're going to get some disappointments. So uh, I don't think it should stop you. Do it. There's many, many good things with uncertain outcomes. So you, you kind of have to go with that. But yeah, I think, uh, I think, reflecting on the kind of values you want to you want to live by and thinking of them as rules of thumb as like mm. i'll be glad i lived by the fact that i'm gonna yeah you know. that would certainly help minimize opportunities for regret i think if you can kind of crystallize an outlook that you want to have and then just sort of stay true to that if you yeah rather than not. just this feels good in the moment or yeah. this like you know just whatever to the consequences yeah um, yeah so Cracking stuff. <laughs> um, you can go read that article, Five Regrets of the Dying. I'm sure everyone, lots of people have read it. Um, Dan Ariely, the decision guy we talked about, he has several good books. Um, you can like look for his blog or uh, he's got one called Predictably Irrational. It's one of his most famous books. He's got a bunch of books on decision-making and TED Talks. Um, and you should also go and read the graphic novel Mouse. Graphic novel mouse. M-A-U-S. Um, oh, M-A-U-S. Yeah. I spelled wrong, so he's embarrassed himself at the first. <laughs> and he got he got a Pulitzer for that. 
That's that right? Um, all right. Thanks for joining, everyone. We'll see you soon. Thanks very much, guys. Bye-bye. Bye.